Good afternoon and welcome everybody. Um, I'm delighted to present our speaker today, uh, Professor Alan Prashitsky, who is a senior lecturer at the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at uh, the Western Galilee College. Um, Anna's research uh, interests are in the area of anthropology, of Judaism, and the immigration from the former Soviet Union to Israel and the immigrants in Israel. Uh, her recent articles dealing with the 1.5 generation of Russian-speaking immigrants in Israel were published in such journals as uh, Journal of Israeli History, Ethnic and Racial Studies, Ethnicities, and Social Identities. And the title of her talk today is Connecting Ethnicity and Space, the New Russian Mizrahi Mediterranean Pop Culture in Israel's Periphery. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you, Yaakov, for inviting me to participate in this seminar. Um, I would like to present today my new research about the process of Itmazrichut from Hebrew uh, Mizrach East, which means Easternization or Orientalization and wanting to adapt Eastern culture, experience it by uh, uh, Russian-speaking immigrants uh, in Israel from one and a half generation. And I will analyze this process as it expressed in the field of popular culture. And first of all, I would like to explain the meaning of one and a half generation, because my research is specifically about this group of Russian immigrants. In sociology, uh, the distinction between the different generations of immigrants is based on the age of their arrival. Uh, the first generation of immigrants are those who came to the new country as adults. Uh, the second generation is children of immigrants who were born in the new country. And the one and a half generation stands in the middle between the first and the second generations. Uh, the one and a half generation are immigrants who came to the new country as older children uh, or adolescents from 6 to 16 years uh, old, carrying with them the legacies of the early social behaviors uh, from the native countries. In the new countries, they learned to adapt uh, to the culture in local schools, military, universities, and colleges. And in today, Israel, Israel the term one and a half generation of Russian Jews has become very popular because uh, there is a group of Russian-speaking activists. Uh, social activists who promote the ethnic culture in the various public uh, Hebrew language media. And now I will explain the meaning of it Mazrechut, the orientalization of Russian immigrants. And I should mention that in the frame of immigration from former Soviet Union, which started 30 years ago, there has been almost one million of Russian-speaking uh, Jews. And this is the largest immig immigration group uh, in Israel. And I think it is very important to understand the ethnic identity of Jews from uh, former Soviet Union. And the Russian-speaking immigrants who arrived uh, in Israel as part of this wave of uh, massive immigration has been described in Israeli sociology as part of the Western Ashkenazi hegemony and uh, of European Israeli Jews, which typically entails Orientalist perceptions of Mizrahi Jews and uh, Palestinians in Israel that they imported from former Soviet Union uh, to Israel. And the relationship between Russian immigrants and veteran Mizrahi uh, res residents of development towns 
in Israel's periphery has been characterized as marked by strong ethnic, ethnic tensions. It was described, for example, in the book uh, by Tsefadi and Yaakobi. And the current lecture challenges this view, exploring new tendencies, suggesting that young Russian immigrants have overcome these orientalist perceptions and experienced the process of Easternization. And the process of Easternization by Russian immigrants is very broad. First of all, at least 30% of Russian immigrants settled in the Israel periphery, in the north or south of the country, because they look for affordable living. And after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, most of the Russian Jews came to Israel without money and without property. And many young immigrants grew up in Israel, Israel's periphery with Mizrahim. Um, as neighbors, friends, and classmates. And as a result, many of them married Mizrahi spouses. Um, and there are three main arenas of Easternization of Russian-speaking immigrants. The first one is intermarriage, uh, the intercultural marriage between Russian-speaking immigrants and native Israel from Mizrahi origin. For example, Russian women uh, who date only with Mizrahi partners and finally married Mizrahi men, uh, started to prepare Mizrahi food, uh, listen Mizrahi music, and keep Jewish tradition, kosher and Shabbat, according to the traditional families of the Mizrahi spouses. And some immig immigrant women from, uh, from the Soviet Union, which I interviewed for this research, told me that they have uh, be uh, became Moroccan and uh, that they, everyone thinks that they are real Moroccans. It's very, very interesting. <laughs> and this is a very common phenomenon. This is a result of a class uh, status similarity between the two groups of Russian and Mizrahi Jews who belong to the lower economic class and they co-residence in geographic and social periphery of Israel. Uh, many, Israel uh, many Russian immigrants experienced rapid downward uh, social mobility in Israel after the immigration. And this is a, a class similarity between these two groups. And the second, uh, the second expression of externalization is the creation of hybrid uh, Russian and Mizrahi Mediterranean brand of popular culture, which I will present uh, today. And this is very uh, colorful and fascinating uh, phenomenon and we will see and we will see it in my, in my lecture. And that I will present it uh, in the field of, uh, mainly in the field of popular music. And the third example, uh, the third example of sterilization is in the field of social activism. Uh, there is a collaboration uh, between Russian-speaking social activists from one and a half generation and social activists from the Mizrahi protest movement, such as Adiki Sar from Ars Poetica, Afir Tubul from Cafe Gibraltar, or from Bartahrir. And I describe this process in my article about Novogod celebration and the collaborations between Mizrahi activists and Russian-speaking activists. And my analysis in this lecture centers on two um, music clips produced by Russian-speaking entrepreneurs, uh, Habibi Yaani by uh, Organite Band, and Yale Itchalno by Mediterranean Russian Girl. And also I will analyze the photography works of uh, uh, Anya Krupiakov. Uh, 
and she participated in the uh, famous series Arstim and Frech at the New Elites. And we will see fragments from this film. And I, I will focus in my lecture on the urban spaces of Israel geographic and social periphery, the northern seaside town like Akko Acker and its social periphery. And I will speak about Batyam and Ramli as arenas of intercultural encounter uh, between different immigrant groups where the new cultural style is emerging in the frame of these uh, music uh, clips. Uh, building upon the theory of racial space, um, my main research question, questions focus on the ethnicity from a spatial perspective versus space from the ethnic uh, perspective. And the main questions are how ethnic relations and categorizations influenced by space, how do urban spaces change and transform as a result of mass migration and the presence of different ethnic groups sharing the city or the neighborhood, and the last one, what is the new symbolic meaning of space appearing in the popular cultural productions created by immigrants? I will explain about, uh, about the methodology of my research. I, I, I am an anthropologist, so I, uh, this is ethnographic research on generation one and a half. Um, six years ago, I began following the online forum and live events organized, events organized by Generation One and a Half group of Russian-speaking immigrants, and um, for the and also and, and interviewed the most social activists from this group. And for the current research, I interviewed seven more Russian immigrant artists, like belly dancers, uh, DJ Evgeny uh, Mizrahi, Xenia Sova, Mediterranean Russian girl that we will see today. Vadim, the member of the band Orgonite, we also will see uh, his story. Avner, member of the band Systemali, and photographer Anya Krupiakov. And also recently, I uh, interviewed two, uh, 20 young Russian immigrants who grew up in the periphery areas and married to Mizrahi partners. Uh, so this is uh, ethnographic research about itmazrachut or Easternization of Russian immigrants. And now we'll explain the theoretical background of the research, uh, which dra draws on the combination of concepts such, such as oriental, uh, orientalism, periphery, ethnicity, speciality in the context of migration. And then we'll speak firstly about orientalism among Soviet Jews. Uh, in Israel's society, is the group of Mizrahim who originate in North Africa and Middle East should be understood in relation to Ashkenazim, Jews of European and North American origins. Ashkenazim uh, largely belong to the apex strata of Israel society and as uh, the unmarked group are not identified as ethnic. Contrary to them, Mizrahim are recognized as ethnic category. Due to their pale skin and cultural resemblance to Ashkenazim, Russian immigrants are not identified with any ethnic culture since ethnicity is perceived more in the Mizrahi non-white context. In the frame of ethnic power relations in Israel society, since its establishment consists of Ashkenazi political and cultural hegemony, and before and after the mass immigration wave in the 1950s, after the establishment of the state, Mizrahi Jews were identified with the Arabic-speaking cultures in the East 
and considered inferior and backward. Most uh, research on uh, first-generation Russian immigrants in Israel assumes their affiliation as Ashkenazi and attributes to them an orientalist view of both Mizrahim and Palestinians imported from the former Soviet Union to Israel. And we will see today how young immigrants from former Soviet Union uh, display great identification with Mizrahim than uh, with Ashkenazim and challenge with Orientalist views of the parents. Um, the second part of theoretical background is about Mizrahim and Russian immigrants in Israel periphery. The term periphery is usually associated in Israel with a particular style of urbanism. The development towns located mostly in the frontier areas, although some of them, like Lod and Batyam, are close to Tel Aviv. Uh, between uh, 1949 to uh, 1963, the state of Israel established 28 new towns to develop manufacturing industries in hostile borders. And the majority of their residents were recent immigrants from North Africa and Middle East, Mizrahim, who were settled there involuntarily during first 20 years of the establishment of Israel. And these towns became sites of poverty and uh, deprivation. And in the 1990s, close to a quarter of all Russian immigrants moved to development towns, mainly because of cheaper housing and living costs. Russian immigrants present uh, a threat in the form of competition over limited economic resources available in development towns, such as employment, housing and welfare services. And this led uh, to conflicts and hostilities between Russian immigrants and uh, Mizrahi uh, Jews. And these two gr groups uh, co-residing in Israel periphery. And uh, the 1990s and early 2000s were marked by ethnic tensions between these two groups. And recent Russian immigrants uh, and mutual negative stereotyping. And the popular, popular culture produced by young Russian immigrants that we will see today uh, challenges this pattern by describing the Israel's periphery as third uh, place, space, third space, which is an active and creative space which bridges between these two groups. Um, this third place is alternative social arena, uh, uh, separate from the isolated first place of home and the second uh, place of work. Altenburg, in his book, argued that this is an open public environment of cafe cafes, clubs, libraries, streets and parks that are very important to civil engagement of citizens. And suggests postmodern concept of third space breaks uh, the first and second place dualism and propose a process, a dynamic force and a radically open perspective. So the peripheral urban spaces that appear in the examined clips, which we will see today, comprise a third place that combines and bridges between the two cultures of Russian speaking immigrants and Mizrahi Jews. A space with the potential of for resistance, subversion, a struggle, and negotiation. And the third uh, theoretical base of my research 
is the theory of racial and ethnic space. Um, several social researchers develop a theory of racial space that examines the connection between spatial and racial processes. And according to Neely and Samora, racial and spatial processes can be seen as uh, dialectic in nature. Racial interactions are about how people construct the spaces they inhabit, and in turn, making of space is also about making the race. Spaces are contested, multivocal, multivocal, fluid, interactional, and infused with social inequality. And culture and popular culture stands in the middle of these reciprocal relations between ethnicity, race, and space. Uh, this theoretical uh, analysis of racial and ethnic space could expand the understanding of such uh, cultural phenomena uh, from popular culture as hip-hop communities of Uyghurs and uh, uh, Wanbis in the uh, uh, United States and uh, Mizrahi music in Israel periphery in the south of Israel, as was described, for example, by Sadio Fir in her articles. And also my case, of Russian Mizrahi uh, popular culture. Uh, now I will uh, present uh, selecting findings and I will present some sections uh, from the interviews with Russian speaking artists and the musical video clips. All of them spoke about the significance of place, a peripheral place, and uh, its influence on their identity and artworks. And uh, now I will explain about uh, the band name Argonite. Um, the band Argonite was founded by a group of Russian-speaking youth who grew up in Acre, a seaside town in Israel's north with a mixed Arab-Jewish population. Despite achieving some fame, the band broke up two, three years ago, and its three members are now performing separately. Argonite defined its music style as post-Soviet Middle Eastern rave, this hybrid yes, term. A band member Vadim, which I interviewed, age 34, immigrated to Israel from Baku, Azerbaijan, at the age of six in the uh, in 1991 and in his interview he described the harsh experiences of a russian immigrant boy in a peripheral city with mixed uh, mizrahi and arab uh, population um, when, and he told me in the interview when i immigrated to israel relations between russians and mizrahim in Akko were terrible i don't blame the kids because they are just a mirror image of the parents. I remember the Mizrahi children's very racist speech. They were constantly making fun of me for being Russian. There were also fights with Arabs. The state should have made greater efforts to absorb us in the better way. On the other hand, as time went by, they began to absorb the local culture. At first, you make friends with local Mizrahi Israelis, and then you start using the expressions. We wanted to do something that would represent this mix, a post-Soviet Mediterranean mutation set in the Middle East. At first, both sides kept their distance and we felt like aliens, the hostility that we went through. Later in the band, 
we wanted to voice our experience in our clips and songs. Eventually, in Organite, we focused on positive things, since everything turned out okay, because the Mizrahim aren't to blame. That's why I'm not angry at anyone. If I meet these guys today, I would hug and kiss them. Our fights are in the past, the pains, uh, pains of the immigration process. And we will see uh, the video clip, and I just want uh, to explain that this video clip is the organized version of the popular Arabic song Habibi Ya'ini, and it was filmed in Jaffa, and the song's lyrics are mostly in English, with some Arabic, Russian, and Hebrew uh, thrown, uh, thrown in. Um, uh, Vadim uh, left Akko and now lives in uh, uh, Arab-dominated Jaffa, the historical core of Tel Aviv, is, is south of the city, where he has a studio uh, uh, des designing and producing video clips. He explained that the band's choice of Habibi Ya'ani stemmed from a desire to make a cover of an Arabic hit that was well known locally and globally, and often played at Jewish Mizrahi parties. And for example, it's possible to see this Arabic song on the project of Raviva, the famous Mizrahi band, and they have performance of Habibi uh, 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 Ya'ani. And uh, the idea was to combine the visibility of Russian speakers in Russian accents with Hebrew, Arabic, and English, and to give multicultural visibility a place by merging different clothing styles and foods. In Russian uh, Gopniks is in, 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 in Russian Gopnik, it's underclass suburban men wearing Adidas uh, jumpsuits and smoking hookahs. A Russian grandmother wearing a kerchief, we will see it, and pouring tahini sauce on kasha, cooked back with uh, grains. And the song includes a cameo by Mizrahi singer George Barr, who recorded the original song Habibi Yaini in the 1990s. And uh, uh, George Barr actually appears in the video singing the refrain in Arabic. So now uh, we will see uh, the clip in one minute. It's okay, it's working. I, I don't hear you. I think it's frozen on my side, I think. Ah, you don't, do you hear the music? No. It ah. played for a second and then it became silent. Um, we can try and upload it on my side. Let me, yeah. yeah. Wait, just a second. But you see the picture, but not here? Now it's frozen, everything is frozen for some reason. Let me try share it on my side. Yes. Uh, yeah. Still the volume. 
now it's okay. I don't see the picture. Now? It seems to be working now. No voice again. Better now. Anna, can you un, un, unmute yourself? Uh, I, I'm not sure what, why is it muted. Is it on my side? Uh, sorry, just uh, to know that I posted a link to the video on the chat for this, but for some reason I cannot unmute you. Let me do it again. This is very weird. Can you see me now? Yes, thank you. Okay, just uh, uh, I want to share my yeah. uh, PowerPoint. Uh, yeah. Can you see my presentation? 
Yes. Yes, we can. Yes, you see it? Yeah. Uh, the symbol of organized band, right? Yes. Okay, so the question is, what is the meaning of all of these Arabic uh, motifs? Uh, popular music in Israel has recently seen um, a surge, surge in the use of Arabic by popular Jewish musicians, descendants of immigrants from the Arabic countries, Israeli Jews. Through their songs, the sound of Arabic has become a, a culturally legitimate in the new ways, both as a static resource and as a marker of Mizrahi Jewish heritage. And it is a part of the new Mizrahi Renaissance. And there is a new article of, uh, by Erez and Karkabi, and they describe this process of usage of Arabic in uh, Mizrahi music today. And Russian-speaking artists adapt the Arabic usage from these Mizrahi artists and activists. In other words, the Arabic culture and language is mediated by the culture of Mizrahi Jews. And Vadim explained that the centrally, centrally located Jaffa, where the clip was filmed, serves as a proxy for the northern peripheral town of Accra. Comparing the two towns, he said in interview, Accra was a big influence on us because uh, that is where we grew up. We absorbed the actual Mizrahi culture and that's where we brought it from. We don't have that here in Jaffa. Akka is in the periphery. Simple people who work in local factories and live in the blocks are all together. They shape one another. And the clip is set in Jaffa as a peripheral place. The opening scene shows young Russian immigrants sitting in an old town square. And this frame represents Akka, where everyone is included. Russian immigrants, uh, with uh, jumpsuits, Adidas jumpsuits, with plastic beach shoes, handing out Mizrahi style with karaoke machine and hookahs, watching a football game together and playing Sheshbish. This amalgam is meant to represent a Russian post-Soviet Israeli Mizrahi culture. Um, and the peripheral urban space appears here as a third space a site of resistance in which new identities and dynamics take shape. The two social groups whose relations are marked by conflicts and hostility can cooperate within the third space of the periphery. And now I will introduce a Mediterranean uh, Russian girl. Um, Ksenia Sova uh, immigrated from Moscow to Israel when she was 15. She is now 34 and works as an art, art director in an advertising agency in Tel Aviv. She has invented an avatar known as Mediterranean Russian Girl, which is colorful and humoristic figure. Ksenia Mediterranean Russian persona looks like a Russian fairy tale princess uh, fused with Mizrahi elements. She wears a long braid, a traditional Russian headscarf, in a white dress with red uh, nickels, over which she uh, sports a massive Mizrahi-style gold chain and high medallion. And for immigrants raised in the former Soviet Union, her image invokes the iconic Soviet chocolate brand Alonka. This is the chocolate of my childhood. And um, she explained me in the interview 
when they came to Israel, they settled, uh, we settled in Petah Tikva, a Tel Aviv suburb, and it was a cultural shock. Uh, I came home and my neighbors were listening to Leonor Kiss, a popular Mizrahi singer. What's, uh, that is the culture and you start learning it. Mizrahi music sounded very different and new to me. So I bought a few CDs of Mizrahi singers and listened to them. For many years, uh, Ksenia lived in Batyam, a suburb uh, south of Tel Aviv, in a neighborhood called Shukun Ole Hadash, the new immigrants' block. Although she has recently moved to Tel Aviv, uh, and I, I interviewed her ex exactly uh, before her moving to Tel Aviv. And around 30% of Batyam residents are immigrants from Russian, from former Soviet Union, making, making it one of the Israeli cities with the highest proportion of these immigrants. In an interview held in her Batyam apartment, uh, she said, I knew of the conflict between uh, Russian immigrants and Mizrah Mizrahim, but it hasn't touched me. Soon after arrival, I heard from my Russian-speaking friends about bullying and fights with Mizrahim. The Russian children called the Mizrahim apes and primitive. But in fact, I got on well with most Israeli students, and today I have lots of Mizrahi friends. I think there is too much talk about inequality and discrimination. That must stop being the focus. Enjoy life and create. <laughs> you have to turn a new page, leaving behind past conflicts, and that's it. The, the song Yalit Halnu tries to get out this very message that we are all brothers and sisters, and we are in it together. And the video clip for the song Yalit Halnu by her was filmed in Batyam, mainly in her own backyard. Backyard. And Ksenia explained, you just get out on the street and looked around. No need to invent anything. The Russian Mediterranean style is a significant part in Batyam and in this neighborhood. My own backyard is a little Russia in Israel, a Mediterranean Russia. On the one side, you have Russian neighbors and on the other side, Israeli Mizrahim. Then we shot the clip. We simply walked around the streets of the neighborhood. And the lyrics of the song are mainly in Hebrew with Russian expressions. And here you can see the translation of the song to English. And I just will read a couple sentences from it. Yala, it's Arabic for go ahead. We are starting. It was the longest weekend in the world. They thought it would never end. But everyone's got a rising a pulse. Here it comes. Laughing, smoking, hookahs, colorful uh, straws. Everyone's content. We are all brothers. The breeze is coming in today. We are all flying. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and this is a song. So can you please show it from your, uh, yeah, from your yeah, side? I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. Just a second. Bye. 
Yaakov, I think maybe it's enough because we have no time. Okay. <laughs> Let me just put you back. Yes, please share your. Yes. Um, so the video clip is composed of several rapidly shifting kaleidoscopic scenes. It's be it begins with a wide shot of iconic arch and fountains at the entrance to Batyam, entrance to Batyam, followed by a cluster of old tenement houses, the Shekunim, near to her department. The film crew walked around the streets and shot an authentic slice of neighborhood life. And the Russian Soviet and Mizrahi images blend together, becoming inseparable, with Russian and Mediterranean cultural elements, clothing styles, gestures, speech, music, dance, and religious Jewish custom. And the video's main message is togetherness. The Russians and Mizrahim are connected, sharing time and food and dancing together. The special aspect of this connection is important. The urban peripheral space transforms into a symbolic container that produces encounters and negotiation, challenging the essentialist identities of both groups, enabling various modes of interchange. Now I, I, I would like to present the third example. It's okay? Uh, uh, I, will, uh, I will present the case of Anya Krupiakov. Um, uh, Anya Krupiakov is 37 years old. She immigrated from Kiev in Ukraine at the age of eight in 1991. Today she is married to Mizrahi man and lives in Tel Aviv. She grew, grew up in Ramle, in Ramadan neighborhood, and 30% of Ramle also are residents uh, uh, residents of, uh, which are immigrants from former Soviet Union. And she described her life in, uh, in uh, Ramle. Ramle is a story of different ethnic communities. There are neighborhoods which are like ghettos of Russian immigrants, Bukhari Jews and Arabs. I call it ghetto because it was composed of closed neighborhoods. Russian neighborhoods were very distinct. They were very specific types of building in early 90s. The smaller the neighborhood, the bigger the problems, because there was no possibility to escape for children. Our neighborhood, Ramadan, was very small. There were a lot of sad stories that took place. Uh, it was uh, close to my parents' workplace, and I think that my parents didn't understand what it means to live in a commuter town. For teenagers, it was problematic because they had nothing to do there. They had no way out of town. All around, there are only buildings and orchards. It is uh, destined for disaster with problems of boredom. There, uh, there are all sorts of dangerous things here. There, there was a lot of crime using knives. This is what happened at that time. In my artwork today, I returned to this place of Ramle. Uh, in Ramli, it was the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. And she continued and compared between Russian immigrants and Mizrahi Jews. And she told, in my opinion, there are a lot of similarities between Russians and Mizrahi Jews. They are very similar. And because of that, I am married to a Mizrahi man. When hot tempered, they come from families with a controlling father. A woman has a very clear place and there is a very similar reference in terms of beauty and extreme grooming. We have the same carpets, very <laughs> important. 
uh, this place of encounter interests me in my work about the excessive extremism of women's beauty, Russian Frechut, the dominant place of the men in the family. When cultures meet and when you live in the same environment, then it has a strong impact on you. I think maybe if I did not live in Ramle, then I would not use much, as much makeup as uh, the age of 14. So there is a parallel lines between Russian and Mizrahi Jews. And my photos talk about the similarities between two cultures. This is the end of the interview. And I think, in my opinion, that this is a very interesting example of an attempt to argue that the orientalization of Russian immigrants is authentic, because from the beginning, these two groups are very similar. And this is her argument here. Um, and, and now we still only have only a very short fragment, one minute from the uh, famous uh, series um, of the filmmaker Ron Kahlili, Arstim and Frechot, the New Elites, with Anya's participation. And this is the translation of the fragment to English, because she's speaking in Hebrew. When I hear the names of Zora Argov and Shimi Tavori, popular Mizrahi singers, my heart sinks and leaps out of my chest. I came to, it came to me gradually. At first I used to listen to Russian trash music. It is not like I ever heard about Ari Kanchtin, iconic Israel singer of European origin. During my life in Israel, all 20 years of it, I saw nothing but a Russian ghetto and next to it Arabs and Mizrahi Jews. And, and now, Yakov, can you please uh, show uh, uh, the fragment from the film? Yeah, will do. Let me share it now. Yeah. Give a minute, I will share my to the argument that social, ethnic, cultural, and spatial changes are closely related and fortify each other. It shows how Israel's peripheral urban space transforms intergroup relations and ethnic hierarchies. The externization among uh, uh, some members of generation one and a half of Russian-speaking immigrants in Israel reflects the coming of age next to Eastern Jews in the specific context of Israeli periphery. Some members of young generation uh, of uh, some members of young generation of Soviet Jews originally belonging to Ashkenazi European Jewry 
willingly adapted Mizrahi music, clothing style, food and slang. And the cultural tropes they created reflect a unique fusion between the Russian-speaking parents and the Mizrahi peers' tastes and habits. Most of them met middle-class Ashkenazi Israelis only after leaving the periphery for higher education and careers in central Israel. On the other hand, ethnic relations may transform the meaning of space and place. Russian artists from generation one and a half infused new meanings into the peripheral places where they spent the youth, changing them from conflicted to collaborative third space. And popular culture plays the key role in this mutual transformative relationship between ethnicity and place. In migration, popular culture can become a means of communication and dialogue between different groups sharing the city or neighborhood. Um, Uh, this uh, and this research and this is very very important. This research explores the phenomena of Easternization in Israel society from the urban spatial frame on reference. And previous study, uh, previous study of uh, previous studies analyzed it from organizational perspective of the Israeli army when soldiers in Galani. Uh, units supposed to behave in Mizrahi way. There's an article about uh, Eastern uh, behavior, uh, Easternization in the uh, Galani unit. And in my case, uh, I argue that uh, immigrants from former Soviet Union who belong to one and a half generation and grew up in Mizrahi environment as the central group who experienced Easternization process. If I would ask who are Mitmazrichim in Israel society, my uh, argument is that the most of them are Russian immigrants who grew up in this Eastern environment in Israel periphery. And uh, the last question is, what are the Russian Soviet and Mizrahi components of this new culture and of orientalization of the new cultural production by Russian speaking artists? And the Russian Soviet components are stereotypical folklore elements such as Russian food, Slaves, vodka, herring, borscht, Russian folk music with balalaika accompaniment, traditional Russian dress, and dancing beers. Similarly, the elements of the Israel Mizrahi culture deployed by Russian uh, entrepreneurs also belong to the folklore uh, repertoire of belly dancing, colorful galbias, hookah smoking, darbuka music, and Mizrahi foods such as arak, mufleta, pancakes, and hot spices. These ethnic entrepreneurs manipulate folk stereotypes in the new field of entertainment by some humorous way. This combination both confronts orientalism and accepts it with varying degrees of intensity. In addition, new Russian Mizrahi material objects come into being, such as Nestle dolls uh, mounted on top of a hookah, and new Russian Mizrahi slang also emerges, exemplified by new words such as kaparushka by Russian Mediterranean, which is a combination of Mizrahi and Kapara, in addition with Russian uh, pronouncing. Uh, and the last thing, uh, the orientalization among uh, Russian immigrants who grew up in Israel periphery is manifest in the adoption of Mizrahi music, which is a legitimate form of today Israelisness. 
in some way to be Israel for them is to be Mizrahi and to listen to Mizrahi music. Immigrant ethnic entrepreneurs looking for visibility and belonging and use this dominant form of Israeli popular culture in new creative ways. The Russian Mizrahi popular culture, which I uh, presented today, in my opinion, is a symbolic expression of much broader social phenomena of orientalization and sterilization among Russian-speaking immigrants in Israel periphery. It is very common in the frame of the intercultural marriages between Russian-speaking immigrants and Israeli natives, and the popular culture is only symbolic expression of this process. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anna, for this uh, very, very interesting uh, presentation. We're open now to questions and answers. Uh, just to remind everyone, please use the question and answer tab on, well, it's on the right of my uh, screen at least. Um, I, uh, I, I, I see that we have a few questions already, but please do submit them and uh, I'll just read them and then, Anna, you'll have a chance to read. We'll go by one by one. Um, so Maybe the first... Yes, I just want to close the presentation. Yeah, uh, uh, it's okay. We yes, oh, you can. Oh, just, okay. Yes. So the question is from uh, Paul Morland in uh, so Paul Morland uh, in Saint Anthony's College, who's asking: Is there any general Israeli data on uh, Mizrahi Ashkenazi intermarriage over time? And if, and if so, how does this uh, Mizrahi Russian intermarriage compares? with the general data regarding Ashkenazi Mizrahi marriages? Yes, actually there is no published statistics on the share of marriages between Russian and Sabra Israelis. Mm -hmm. uh, the estimate is that it's over one third and that is growth all the time, uh, uh, especially among younger immigrants, like in, in my uh, case of one, is in one, and a, one and a half uh, generation. But, uh, 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 I am not. I, I did made. I didn't make a statistical research. I'm. I'm anthropologist, but it's around one third, and I think this is not so exotic phenomena because you know when I collected materials, I just asked my friends, my co-workers in in college, co-workers of my husband in high tech uh, company. So it's it's uh, it's common, and it's it's. Uh, I, th I think it will be just uh, more common. Uh, but it's uh, it's very it's a good question. It's very important to know the statistical data. But uh, yeah. <laughs> and now I have no answer. <laughs> yes. Exactly answer for this question. Yes. Uh, we might also add, uh, Paul. Generally speaking, there's an issue with Israeli statistical uh, uh, data regarding ethnicity that the Israeli Central Bureau of Statistics does not count ethnicity beyond the third generation. So the the, the grandfather, the grandparents' generation. Uh, they actually have it, but they don't publish it, and there's been a lot of uh, political contestation uh, and intellectual contestation around it. It's very interesting. In a sense, you said that after two generations, we cease being ethnically marked. Um, uh, another question from uh, Marcus, uh, who is thanking you for a fascinating presentation. Marcus is saying, I was always under the impression that immigrants to Israel from the former Soviet Union were to the right wing of the political spectrum. Uh, it is possible that this uh, uh, that this is bringing together of Mizrahi, Russian, and Arab cultures could encourage a more conciliatory approach towards peace from Russian immigrants, or alternatively, 
uh, hardening of position. I would add to this question, to what degree did you see this orientalization of the self translating into a reappreciation of the Palestinian? Yes, I think that we have uh, uh, to make some distinction between a little group of ethnic entrepreneurs and artists, which are analyzed here, that most of them are left-wing and belong to left-wing in Israel politics, and also uh, one and also social activists from one and a half generation. The most of them have left uh, political views, but this is very different from the mass from the uh, 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 the most of the Russian-speaking immigrants who grew up in Israel periphery, and I think that the connection with the Mizrahi Jews also on the base of right political views. So it's it's uh, it's complicated um, because these artists, of course, and this art generally, um, the, the, the main message of this art is peaceful, of peace between uh, Jews and Arabs and between Jews, Ashkenazi Jews and Mizrahi Jews and Ethiopian Jews and Russians. This is the, this is the main message of peace. And this is, a, but this is a function of art and pop, popular culture and art. And this is different from the uh, uh, popular opinion, political opinion of the of most of the Russian immigrants, which are uh, right, right. They have right political views. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, Marcus is also asking for: Is it possible to obtain a copy of the slides and presentation? I would suggest that anyone who wants this uh, would email me, and I'll put you in touch with Anna, and but she can. Also I also want to say that I have an article uh, which was published uh, last year in Ethnicities, Ethnicities Journal about this uh, hybrid uh, cultural uh, Russian Mizrahi culture. And this article which I presented today, I, I submitted to, uh, to publication. I, I just have to fix it and I hope that it will be published soon. Wonderful, thank you. A question from uh, Nigel Meir. Hi, Nigel. Uh, how many people are there in the Russian 1.5 generation? Uh, uh, 2,000, between 2,000 of uh, 3,000 uh, people. It's 20 percent, uh, from 20 uh, percent to 30% from all the uh, uh, mass of uh, Russian immigrants in Israel. So 200,000? Yes. Yes. That's not a small group. Yeah. Um, Larissa Fialkova is asking, well, she's thanking you for your great presentation. Don't you think that this mix is more typical for mountain Jews and Bukhara Jews rather than Ashkenazi Jews from the former Soviet Union? Chen Bram, uh, many years ago, wrote that uh, mountain Jews can decide how to migrate as Russians or as Oriental or Mizrahi Jews. Yes, yes, thank you for this. Uh... Uh, it's it's uh, it's right. Uh, uh, Oriental Jews from Kafkaz and uh, they have more. Uh, for them, the connection with Mizrahi culture is more uh, is more clear, is uh, more natural. And and uh, in my research, we saw that Vadim uh, uh, from uh, Organite Band, he from Azerbaijan. So for him, it was very natural. And also, I interviewed Avner from System Ali. Uh, band. This is a band with uh, Jews and Arabs. Mm -hmm. So for them, of course, for them, this combination is more natural. But also there is uh, 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 Russian immigrants from European origin, like Ksenia, Ksenia the Mediterranean Russian girl. She is uh, from Moscow. 
Yeah. But it's right. It's uh, thank you, Larissa. Uh, and I would uh, take the privilege of asking maybe the concluding question. We don't have any others on the Q&A uh, tab, um, which is maybe a little bit wider. You touched upon it slightly at the at the concluding uh, remarks you made, uh, in a sense noting that both the image of the Mizrahi and the image of the Russian or the post-Soviet are stereotypical. In a sense, we get an equally uh, uh, offensive, stereotypical view of the whole world. Russians are about vodka and Mizrahi about the Arak and everybody's happy and let us get out. And uh, this must be, in a sense, I mean, it, at least it, you know, it uh, itches me to ask, so what's underneath the patina of public culture, imagery of, you know, uh, commercial style? I mean, these people are living their life in the world. They live their life in a highly contested political situation, whether they acknowledge it or not, but most of them do. I mean, these are artists who are. Um, so where is meaning? If it's all about game and it's all about stereotypes, where's the meaning that constructs their identities derived from? Uh, why Why do you think if it's something stereotypal, so it's not, uh, that it's not have meaning? This is the meaning. The meaning is, I think it's something postmodern, you know, then it's like kaleidoscope. You combine different visions, different images, different motives, and it's how it works today. But I don't think that because this is something stereotype, stereotypical, so it's, it's have no meaning. This is the meaning. It's not so obvious to combine, you know, for many Russian Russians, if they will see it, uh, like the, the generation of my parents, they will they will say this is terrible. What's it? It's it's terrible. It's very vulgaric. It's not culture. But uh, you know what is the culture? This is a philosophic question, and I think that the message is very important. Uh, they, there is also uh, another aspect of Westernization when Russian immigrants study uh, Arabic language, for example, or study the history of Eastern Jews or, you know, and seriously uh, study uh, cultural background and the tra tradition, Jewish tradition of Mizrahi Jews. It's also, this is also another way of Westernization. But I think, it be, maybe it's more serious, but, but I think that also this trope of Westernization, which I presented here today, it also has meaning. It's, uh, it's important. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Anna, for this uh, fascinating presentation and uh, and this really intriguing uh, uh, case study presentation. Um, um, wish you all the best and wish you all keep safe and uh, see you soon. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.